You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So we're going to talk about um, spending time alone with Jesus today, or as Joe said, having a Devo uh, kind of thing. So I'm going to try to be as practical as I can be today, all right? Um, practical, practical is my aim. That's my mission. That's my goal. We'll see if it happens. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the privilege to know you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you, Lord Jesus, are knowable today. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would even take these few moments that we have together and cause each one of us to grow in our desire to spend time alone with you and to actually walk it out. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, for those that are sitting in this room, Lord God, for literally just a seed to be planted, that as uh, they leave here today, Lord God, their, their time alone with you would somehow be benefited, would grow. We thank you for what you're going to do. Amen? Uh, Job 36 says, God is great and we do not know him. And uh, that's one of the things that I feel like is so common in our culture, so common for you as a 20-something, is uh, to know that God is great, to say that God is great, in your head to believe that God is great, to be, to be able to articulate that God is great, to sing that God is great. But realistically, in your own journey, it's easy for us to not really know him in an intimate way. And so all of us know that we ought to, lo- ought to know God in an intimate way. In fact, a lot of us know that we ought to have time alone with God. Or we've heard the phrase Devo. I remember when I first left high school, I was 18 years old. And uh, I was, I had, I, I'm a pastor's kid. And so my whole life I'd been a pastor's kid. I'd always been kind of just in that role where, where people were um, watching me. And I remember going to one of my first meetings where I was just one of the kids when I, I had left home and was living a long ways away from home. And, and, uh, and the youth pastor, talking to college students, uh, uh, got everybody around the table and just said, how, many of you, how, are, how are y'all doing? How are you doing those devos? And we went around the circle and just kind of, it, so, it was so youth pastor-y. I like to call it the homework approach towards devos. How are those devos? You doing those devos, boys, kind of thing? And, um, and I, I've noticed that that, that kind of mentality is really common in our kind of Christian culture. Um, and I like to call it the homework approach. It's the someone hold me accountable kind of thing. It's the, uh, the five-minute d- devotional book. Uh, we have countless different people creating uh, books for your devotional quote-unquote time. And uh, I think one of, the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous things in our our approach to spending time with God is what I call a homework approach. It is, I know that I ought to do it. Pastors tell me I ought to do it. My friends tell me I ought to spend time with God. And I'm really busy. I got to spend a lot of time going to school. I got to work a lot of hours at my job in order to pay rent. And so because I ought to, I'm going to spend this time alone with God. And we kind of push things aside. It's like, okay, God, ready, go. You got 10 minutes. What do you want to give me? You know, that kind of approach. And, uh, and so this morning I want to talk about coming before Jesus and developing a lifestyle of pursuit, a lifestyle of wanting to know God and spending time with God that's not out of kind of a homework mentality, that's not out of just, you know, trying to get it done. We want to develop what Paul has said in Philippians 3 when he says, I want to know Christ. And it's one of the core values of his life. And so I would say everybody here, every single person here ha- would say that. The, the kind of person that shows up on a Sunday morning for just more teaching is the person that's hungry for God. 
the nature of the person that shows up for Mill Sunday School, I'm, we're not trying to get you saved this morning. You're already in. You're uh, count me in. Some of you are taking notes. See, these people are super saved right up here. Front row, taking notes. You guys, you're, you're halfway to heaven. Um, and, so, and so that's the kind of person that shows up this morning. It's, so I, I want to I talk about you. I want to talk about you. I think the, the person that's here already has determined in their heart that I want to know God. Um, but I believe that it takes a little bit of a plan. A lot of us will, have, will develop a plan for our education. We'll develop a plan for retirement. We'll pl- develop a plan for um, how we're going to mow our yard or how often. We'll have a time management plan. We'll have a money plan, a financial plan. Some of you have a dating plan. It's not working. But, uh, but you'll have a plan. But we'll leave out a plan for your heart, a plan to know God. And of course, we know that that is the primary thing that is, that is required of us. That's the thing that Jesus wants of us. The thing that he wants more than anything is relationship. The great commandment in Matthew 22 is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The prayer of Jesus in John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. It's right before Jesus embraces the cross. And his prayer is that we would know him. And so I can tell you the great, the great mission of your life. I know as you live out the next 20 years, people will say... Well, you got to find your purpose. you got to do something for God. And I believe that. But I, I, I would tell you that's probably, and anytime you put numbers on things, people get angry and want to argue. But I'm going to throw out a number today just because I'm angry about this topic. And that is, I would say that's about 10%. Maybe 15% of obedience to God is, God, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. Most of us spend a lot of time filled with anxiety on that issue. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? You want me to be a teacher? God, do you want me to be married? Do you want me to be single? God, God, do you want me to get this education? Do you want me to get that education? God, do you want me to be a plumber for Jesus? Do you want me to be a preacher for Jesus? Should I get a high school diploma or should I be like Joe and get a doctorate? Uh, I'll go with the high school thing. God, what, what, you know, what, how much education? All that stuff. What, what do I do for God? And there's that big mentality. What do I need to do for Jesus? And, and I, I think it's great. I mean, realistically, Jesus, when he came to the end in John 17, you know, he says, I finished the work that you called me to do. There is this thing, Acts 13, David said, uh, man, I said I wasn't going to be inspirational. I'm already inspirational. Sorry, Joe. I'm trying to get practical. I'll be practical in a minute. Acts 13, David says, it says of David that he fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation. So I buy that. I believe that you have a, God has a purpose on your life. No question. I mean, no, that's, that's there. But first and foremost, the thing, the number one dominant primary big idea, bold italics, underline, put it on a banner thing that God wants from you is for you to know God. It's for you to love him and know him. And I'll tell you this, if you'll love him and know him and put 85% of your energies on, I'm going to know God, me, put your name in there, John, Frank, Sue, Phil, whatever your name is. Tom Brady, put that in there, put your name in there, Joe Kirkendall, David Perkins, whatever your name is, I'm going to know God. If you'll put your energy toward that, you'll, you'll wind up doing your calling. You'll find yourself, holy smokes, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Does that make sense? But a lot of us think, okay, well, I live in a culture where I need an education. I live in a culture where I need to, make, I need to have a job. And I live in a culture where all these things. And most of our energy, our time management, our planning goes towards that. So here's what I want to encourage you. I want you to redirect. Redirect your heart to go, as for me, 
Jason, as for me, Rebecca, put your name in, I'm going to know Christ. I'm going to know God. And I'm going to change my schedule around in order to make it a priority. I'm not going to have the homework approach that says, I got to go to college, I got to find a wife, and I got to what else? Oh, get a job, and I got to work, and I'll do the Devo thing on the side, or I'll get up a little bit earlier, or, you know, I'm talking about a, a shift, a change in your heart. When I was 18 years old, I was talking to a pastor, and uh, I haven't got to my line yet, sorry, Joe, we'll get there. When I was 18 years old, I was talking to a pastor, and, uh, and, and while we were talking, he told me the story of his college years, about how he lowered the requirement for uh, what he had to pay to live, took less amount of work, chose not to do college football, even though he was on scholarship, to a, to a D1 school, in order to go deep in God, in order to have time. So we're talking about making less money, living in a not-so-nice place, not playing Division I football, with the purpose of getting, when he got saved at 15 or 16, realizing that the great commandment to know God, to love God, is the great the great longing of our hearts and the great fulfillment of what God requires of us and desires of us. So therefore, thinking so counterculturally to rearrange his schedule to live that way, it impacted me dramatically. And so throughout my college years, I decided I was going to go a little bit slower, <laughs> which helped, go a little bit slower. I was going to uh, work at ways to not have, didn't have the greatest housing environment because I wanted to live for free. Um, uh, it affected the way that I traveled. It affected a, a whole lot of different things in order to have, for me, it was afternoons in my college years to spend time with God. And so before we even talk about spending time with God, I want to tell you, it will take, it, it, I want to encourage you, it's the great opportunity for you in your college years to make it a priority. And, and I know, and here's what happens. Everybody says, hey, well, you don't know my schedule. You don't know my debt load. Um, you don't know how desperate I am to find a wife, so it takes a lot of hours to find that. Social networking is what I do. And I, I, I just want to put that at rest and say, put all your excuses at bay. Because realistically, all of us have been there. We've all been between the ages of 18 and 25. 18 and 30, whatever you are. And realistically, there is a way forward, even in the midst of your specific circumstance, for you to redirect, change things in order to spend time to know God. So I just want to put those excuses at bay because every time I talk, people are like, yeah, but my circumstance doesn't allow me to do that. I know, so change your circumstance. I know, I get it, I got it, for sure. So that means you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to change things up a little bit. All right, here we go. Let's talk about your quiet time, ready? All right, spending time alone with Jesus, uh, first and foremost, you've got to look at it as the great invitation, not as your duty, as a Christian. And, and that, that approach is so important. The John 7, Jesus says, all who are thirsty, you don't come at it because you want to fulfill a mandate in order to make it to heaven, but because you possess a thirsty heart that God gave you, and you know that the only way that that is ultimately satisfied is in God, you have a fascination approach. You have an invitation approach. It's more of the, it's Psalm 27. One thing I ask the Lord, this is what I seek, 
I want to hang out in the house of God. I want to dwell with God. I want to gaze upon the beauty of God. Or Paul in Philippians 3, I want to know God. That approach. If you go out and go, well, I want to have a devotional life, so I'm going to go out buy the book on five-minute devos or get the latest and greatest uh, little devotional book. It's like someone's done the work for you. It's the homework approach. I, I, don't, I, I tell my crew in the furnace, I say, don't even buy those. I, I believe, I love Oswald Chambers and all those kinds of guys. I love, I, I love them as, as who they are. I don't, I hate the approach that says, here's your 365 day daily devotional thing set for you. I just, I don't even buy into that philosophy. To me, to, I, it's great for marketing. It's great, it's easy. It's, it's very consumer driven. But it's the opposite of relationship. It is the homework approach. It is the, here you go, the work's done for you because the spending time with God thing is kind of work. And the very nature of what we want to do is relationship. If someone gave me a 365-day approach to my relationship with my wife, here you go, talk to Renata each day about, here's a topic. I'd be like, yeah, my, this, this, this belittles my marriage. This is a statement saying, we don't really have much. We're not working through things. We, we may be on mission to raise a great family together. We may have, you know, be in love with each other. But, okay, now, Renata, how do you feel about this? And how, it would be fake. It, would, it wouldn't, wouldn't be real. Now, there's some pushback that goes, yeah, but I need that. At an entry level, it's great. I don't necessarily think so. I think that you were created to know God. And some of those things become a substitute for you actually working the muscle to develop a relationship with God. And we get used to it. And then you, they just got you in, you know, then you're just kind of in the marketing scheme and you go from one devotional pastor classic to the next. So if in my view, and here's the deal, when we're talking about devotions today, lots of people have different views, but I've got the microphone today. So here you go. <laughs> so this is my view. All right. So. Come at it as it's an invitation. It's, it's, an, it's an enjoyable, fascinating opportunity. That's huge as opposed to homework. Um, it's not, I, I, I want to just hit on that it's a real relationship with Jesus. And so number two would be this. Jesus' relationships are not all the same. So if I take someone else's Devo book and try to approach God like the cosmic Coke machine in the sky where I put my quarters in, or dollar bills now, and God gives me something based... I mean, it's just, that's just weird to me. It's not a system, it's a relationship. And even when you look at Jesus, okay, we're talking here on Sunday mornings, we're talking about the incarnation. The incarnation means when, when God became man in Jesus, right? You know that? Okay, so that's what the incarnation means. So we're talking about that big idea. When you look at Jesus as a man, God became man... Even his relationships on the earth are very different, right? It wasn't like all of his relationships were the same. People are different. How he related to people were different. You know, with John, it's like, and I don't know if John wrote his own gospel in order to present himself in this light, but according to the gospel that we get from John, he's like the dude. I mean, he's the man. He's, he's his best friend. He called it five times. He's the disciple that the Lord loves. He's like hanging out with them. John likes to write in there that he's faster than Peter. You know, he's got a little, little bit of that old varsity pride. And so anyway, we find that in John and we find Jesus just over and over and over again relating to John as a friend like that. When you look at Peter, his relationship with Peter... 
I mean, one moment, it's Peter on this rock. I'll build my church. You're a man of God, Peter. Come on. You know, you can do it. And the next moment, it's get behind me, Satan. The next moment, it's you're going to deny me. The next moment, come on, Pete. You can make it. It's up and down. It's roller coaster. And you just go right through the, the uh, disciples. And that's true. Jesus relates to them differently. He has, a re- he has a unique relationship with each one. Okay? So it's true with you. You can't look at Joe and go, I want, I, if I'm going to do exactly what Joe does and get exactly what Joe gets, it's a real relationship. Every single one of Joe Kirkendall's relationships are different, period. He does not have a relationship that is exactly the same in terms of his friends. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, like to strangers or to elephants might be different, but I'm talking about people, all right? Like, does that make sense? Like, in his personal friendships in his life. Well, in your journey with God, the great temptation is to copy and do what everybody else does. But you, you, apart, apart from everybody else's devotional book, every famous preacher, every famous author, every guy that does an e-blog, all those things are all fine and wonderful and good, but they're horrible if they're the substitute for your own personal relationship. And, and they do you a disaster because the big thing at the end of the day for your life is your relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you just the way that the same way that Jesus had different relationships with people on the earth. So today, every one of us, our relationship with Jesus, it isn't always, it doesn't look the same. All right. So, so, so even if you had 10 guys, 10 weeks in a row, come in and talk about how to do a devotional time or, or, you know, you can't buy into, I'm going to do the Stern system or do the Perkins system or do, you know, the Kirkendall system. No, it's you. It's relationship. So these are just little props. These are just like little steps. And hopefully they help you. But at the end of the day, that's all they're meant to be. That's all they can be because it's, it's your relationship that's important. Your personal relationship with Jesus is everything. It's what matters. Don't depend on a system. Don't depend on a formula. All right, we're going to get practical. Here we go. Time and a place. You know this. The key is a time and a place. I know everybody uh, goes, that's, that's a no-brainer. But the, the, the reality of how little people actually have a daily time and place set aside to spend with God is evidence that we need to keep hitting this point over and over again. But you need a time, your best time, not your worst time. Not I'm about to fall asleep at I do my God time, you know, at midnight. Not I do my God time at 5 a.m. If you're like a night person and you only went to bed at 4 a.m., right? Give God the best time of your day. Now, and and some of you go, I can't do that because I got to work, you know, a certain job or whatever. Make it proportional. Get the principle, not the idea is what can you give? What is the best potential time where your mind is alert, where you can get alone to be with God? Make it, make it, make it, give it, try to give it your best time, not, not your worst. Um, I, I've known college kids that literally uh, re- redirected and changed the way that they did schooling in order to have more time alone with God. And their hearts, years later, are alive, whereas people that set them and do a little bit of God on the run, try to fit him into my schedule, oftentimes are depleted five, ten years down the road. Uh, at the end of the day, apart from all that we do with apologetics, apart from all that we do with um, core doctrines, at the end of the day, your faith is faith. Say faith. 
faith. It's going to be attacked, and you need faith, all right? You need a real reality in God that goes beyond just head knowledge. You need it alive in your heart in order to sustain the barrage of attacks from the enemy, the criticism in our culture, and you just will. Um, so get a time and a place, however works for you. Uh, I, I, I know one guy that he just... He, he, just, he just had to be at work at 6.30. That's the way his job was. Three kids. And he just says 4 to 6 a.m. He's done 4 to 6 a.m. for years. I know another guy that does 2 to 4 a.m. I know another guy that does 1 to 5 p.m. I know another, another college kid that's like, my best time when I'm the most alert, as crazy as it sounds, is 10 to midnight. I'm like, you guys are like, yeah, that's my, that's my boy. All right. That's when he spends time with God. Give it your best. He is your God. Right now I'm listening to the Old Testament in my car. It's like a dramatization. I'm scared to death of the reality of how big God really is. When you listen to who, how he handles the Israelites and all of a sudden the ground is swallowing people up and things like that. Just read the Old Testament. It'll get rid of your little, you know, cutesy theology. God is big. God is huge. God is massive. I'm reading stories. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing stories that I haven't heard since, you know, like that I read in an, in, a, in an analytical way. And now they're like alive on CD for me. And I'm like... I am more aware that God is massive and big than ever. He's huge. He's worth it. All right. So I want to just tell you my journey. And uh, here we go. I like to, I like to, I like mornings. First of all, I like to, I like to, I like mornings. I just do. When I was in college, I couldn't do mornings because all my classes were in the morning. So I was really poor and tried to do afternoons. Um, I could never do nights. Nights are distracting for me. My brain's dead. College football is usually, you know, on. So I, there are the distractions for me in the evening. Uh, I would encourage you in your time with God, have a Bible, pen, highlighters, lots of highlighters. Be highlighter crazy. All right? Go highlighter nuts. All right? If you don't have highlighters, invest five bucks in highlighters. Get a pink one, blue one, green one, yellow one. I mean, get them all. Get the real. And here's, what, here's why. Here's why I say that. Because you'll have your own system. What it means to you or whatever. For some people, uh, you know, like for me, in my brain, the way my brain works is that like some people are kind of topical like my wife. She's real analytical. And, and, and so, you know, she might kind of color code ideas that the Lord is saying. And so this means this is directly to me. Here's what it means to me. For me, I go in seasons. And so I like use, I'll use like a blue highlighter for a few weeks. And in my head, that's like, oh, I remember what God was doing in my heart in that season. Then I'll go to yellow and it's like, ooh, that's that. And, then, and before, you know, you know, like a couple years in, your Bible is all kinds of colors. And I'm real picture oriented. So when I see it, I remember what God was doing in my heart on that day. I see the tear stain in the Bible. Go, oh yeah. I remember what God was doing back then. Oh yeah. That was back in September and God was doing that. Does that make sense? So I like to have colors, mark it up. If you get a Bible that you can mark up, all right, and write in it. I like to write little prophetic things that the Lord's saying. I like to write words over my heart and my life that people have said in the past. I like to write this verse connects with this verse and just mark it up. Now, you can have Bibles that your grandmother gave you for graduation from high school, and you're not sure if you're going to finish college, so you want to hold on to that one, all right? Because that might be the greatest, you know, you might want to hang on to that one. That's cool, all right? And that's kind of like your, your Bible of note. That's, that's great, you know, the one that you don't want to mark up. But have one that's just like your $5 markup Bible. Mark it up, big time, all right? So I like to get that. I like to have a journal. And uh, so, so, like, this is my journal right here, all right? Real basic. Um... And I like to have coffee uh, and then some books, all right? Now, now it, it depends on what season you're in. 
Uh, sometimes you'll be reading books that are a, a theme of scripture. You know, uh, there's lots of different ideas in terms of what you could do with books. Um, personally, right now I'm in a season where I'm trying to just do just Bible. Just Bible, 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 that kind of thing. All right, so, but uh, a lot of times, a lot of times I like to have a, a few books on the same theme with me. So that I'm, I like to study in themes more than I like to study one random thing at a time. So that I'm really giving myself to Christology or, or the study of Christ for a season. Or I'm really trying to study prayer for a while or a season. Does that make sense? But I, 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 my brain works better if, I have, if I'm working in, in a theme, in a concept. And what I, what I found is sometimes those, when I'm, when I'm studying the scriptures and then I have those books with me, they make more sense when I've got a Bible and a journal right there with me, all right? So, uh, I like to, I encourage you to write everything down, all right? Now, this is just how I do it. You can, there is no right way. Like I said a minute ago, I really want to get this. There is no system. But based on your, on your personality and your knowledge and experience of God, it, it make, it's a big deal. It matters. I like to write everything down because I forget. I forget what God is doing if I don't. So when I write it down, it's like a, a, a way of chronicling it. Plus, for me, uh, this is just the way that, I've been, that I'm used to doing it. Um, my parents required of their children, starting in the second grade, to spend time alone with God each day. All right, so as a second grader, I started. I'm a triplet, David, Dana, Deborah, and Daniel. All right, he's younger. He's five years younger. He's on staff here. But as second graders, we were required to do that. My sister had a green notebook. Dana had a blue one. Deborah had a green one. Dana had a blue one. I had a brown one. I only did brown because I thought brown was masculine. And when you're born with two girls, you try to be masculine at all possibilities, especially when you're 5'5". Five, five. So I... So I had a brown one, and, and, I, and I just got used to it. That was like, I would, my parents would encourage us to write it down, because they wanted to see what activity was going on in our heart with God. And so, I'm, and part of it is just that I'm used to it, but I would encourage you, uh, when you write down, when you write it down, even if you don't like to write, which I don't, uh, it chronicles it, and it enables you to go back and remember what God is doing. And so it's like a real relationship. You know, a lot of times with our relationship with God, if we want to talk about where was my heart in God a year ago, and what was God teaching me, and what was God showing me, what scriptures were alive, what things uh, was I studying at the time, if there's nothing written, you don't even remember. It's just kind of like chaos theory. I think I was single back then. You know, like, you don't even, you don't have a clue. But if you write it down, and you can go back, and, and this has been fun for me, because, you know, in the last 10 years at New Life, at this church, we've had some great moments, and some hard moments, and some great moments, and it's fun for me to go back and see what the Lord is saying to me in seasons right before huge opportunities, and right before huge, huge hardships, all right? And I go back and I can see the Lord's faithfulness based upon what God's showing me. I can see that the Lord was working even just, just because God knows all things. All right? So I would encourage you, write it down. Um, the first thing that I like to do is I like to start off with just, God, speak your affections over my heart. That's just the first thing I like to do. Now, here's why. The number one attack of the enemy is to get you to believe in your performance and get you filled with shame. So that if you are doing well, you're arrogant, you're performing well. Hey, look at me, I'm a rock star. I'm holy, I'm cool, I'm doing all this for God. If you're doing poorly, then you're filled with shame. I can never do it, I can never measure up. God's a, God, you, you, surely you love Job, but you don't love me. Surely you love Erica, but not me. God, I just did this wrong, I did that wrong, I did this. And you live in shame. Does that make sense? 
All right. So the number one thing I like to start with is God, speak your affection over me. The number one thing you want from me is for me to love you with all my heart. The number one way that that happens in me, we love him because he first loved us. First John five, right? The number one way that we start to love God back is with the knowledge of his love for us. So I start, try to start every day with that principle. Speak your love over my life. Speak it like a father, God. I'm your son. I'm your son. Today, I feel like an orphan. Today, I feel like I failed. Today, I feel like the prodigal. Today, I feel like whatever it is. But God, I need to know your affections over my life. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in my I need a fresh touch of the knowledge of the love of God in me today. God, I need to know that. I need to feel it. I need to believe it. And I do want to feel it. And, I, and, and, and sometimes there's pushback on that. But I want to know it in faith. I want to believe it in faith, but I do enjoy having it touch my inner man. I know as a, as a son, I want to not just know that my father loves me. I want to feel it. I want, to, I want it alive in here. There are some days it's not, but the days that it is, those days make mission, holiness, prayer, Bible study, really evangelism, a lot more enjoyable when I'm living like a son. All right? So I like that alive in here. God, God, pour out your love into my heart. If I am connected to that, I will stay the journey longer. I'll stay steady. I'll have a heart alive. I'll be filled with purpose. If I don't, if I go into a day without really believing that my father delights in me, that my father loves me in time, by noon, I'll be striving. I'll want other people to like me. It will matter that my clothes are out of style or that I never reached 5'6". I will, I will start to live in the fear of man. I'll get, does that make sense? It's just, you just live in an age where that's the constant temptation. And if you've, if you've crushed that thing down by the truth of the love of God, you do better. I do. If I, if I don't, then I start to perform. You know, I want my boss to think I'm smart and that takes miracle. You know, like... I start to live in that, all right? So, number one for me is, I just God, speak your affections on my... And that's how I start each day. And I literally do. God, remind me again. Oh, that's good. I love that. Oh, yeah. It, David, it's the number one thing I've been telling you for... Oh, yeah, I like that, God. Oh, yeah. You know, it is the number... You've been hearing that little Jesus loves me song since you were a little kid. Oh, yeah, just sing it to me again. But I want to know it. I want it in here. I don't want it here. I want it here. Because if it's here, if I can live out... Then I, if I can know that I'm loved then I feel powerful. Then nobody can stop me. I mean, if I know that I'm loved, it doesn't matter what horrific thing happens that day. I'm okay. I'm all right. I live differently. All right, so number two is this. I, 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 number one, I'm just loved. That, that helps me, even for my quiet time. You know, like someone comes up and starts talking to me. You know, I get distracted. You know, ever since the iPhone came, you know, it's the number one enemy. It used to be that the worst enemy against your quiet time was an alarm clock. That used to be the thing filled with... A snooze button was filled with demons, all right? Today, the number one device is the iPhone. It, it's a mess. It texts you constantly. I mean, tweets, the whole thing. So you push that aside, all right? That's a joke, but not funny. So, 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 the, so but if I, I can go through my whole quiet time better if I know that I'm loved, all right? The second thing I like to do is just start to uh, enter into his courts just praising him. Just, of course, that sounded real bible Let me start that over. Forget the word courts. I like to come before God and just praise him for who he is. So think about who he is and just praise him. 
Because when I start to say, you are holy, you are righteous, you are good. So imagine when I say this, I mean writing it down cursive, eighth grade cursive style, you know. God, you're holy. God, you are true. God, you are faithful. God, you are magnificent. God, there's no one like you. And after, you know, a good solid paragraph of adjective, comma, adjective, comma, faithful, good, all of a sudden what starts to happen in your heart is what used to seem like a really big deal in your life right then, your oil needs to be changed. You just made a D on a chemistry test and you got rejected by the same girl three days in a row. Those things seem really big, all right? But once you started to say, you are eternally the same yesterday, today, forever. You are magnificent. You are holy, God. You are big, God. You are, whoa, God. You are transcendent, God. You, whatever you want happens, God. You're mad. Wow. All of a sudden, perspective starts to set in and you go, those things actually are pretty small in light of the magnitude of God. In light of his omniscience or in light of his omnipotence, in light of how magnificent he is, in light of those things, my little problems or pet peeves or issues, God's bigger than that. All right? So the next thing is just coming in and just praising him, proclaiming who he is, uh, declaring to him, uh, declaring his personality, who he was in the past, in the Bible days, who he's been in your past. God, you've been faithful to me when I was, you know, a high school senior, God. You were faithful to me as a junior in college, God. You were faithful. Here, 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 here. You're still good. You were, and then present. Man, and God, today, on this day, December 20th, 2009, you are chief, you are king, you are excellent, you are perfect, you are God. And there's that coming out of your heart on that day. And on this day, I mark it. And God, forever you will be. Faithful and true, glorious, magnificent, worshipped, proclaimed glorious. I can't see like you see, but I, I know that you are good. I believe these things to be true. And that, you enter in and that starts to happen in your heart. Your day gets rearranged because you go, wow, I'm seeing that no matter what, God is big. Second thing I like to do is just go into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, or I mean third thing. Um, you're like, this is like 40th thing. Uh, the third thing is I like to just go into a time of Thanksgiving and just say, just thank him. Just, just real gratitude in actuality for what's taking place in my life. And there are days that feels like it's hard to be thankful, God, this problem, this problem, this problem. But if you start and it becomes a muscle where you just are a person filled with gratitude, God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing uh, in Colorado Springs. Thank you for the work of God in this city. God, thank you for what you're doing as we call it and uh, mobilize and call a generation to live in desperate pursuit of God. God, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my relationship with my wife. God, thank you for my children. God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, ho- for the house you've given me. I wish the housing market was better, but it's not, but I thank you, for God, for my house. All right, God, but I thank you. And just start to thank him. Just start to thank him. And all of a sudden, you'd be surprised. Uh, you start to like God more because you start to meditate not on the have not, but on the have, on what he's given you, what he's blessed you with, his very real temporal blessings. And I know everybody says all the time, well, we see God's face, but not his hand. Yet, no, 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 we see God's face and we're really, we really want his hand. We're thanking him for every miracle. We're thanking him for every prayer meeting that had a little bit of buzz on it. We're thankful for every time that we can get together and, and, and the word of God comes alive or whatever. We just thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. All right. Uh, all right. Next thing is this is confession. And now we as evangelicals, we don't really do confession very well. But this is like a golden 
key in your relationship with Jesus. All right? Not confessing to a priest. All right? Confessing to Jesus, who is forever our high priest. You confess to God. You don't need someone, a mediator, but just you and God, and you confess your sin to God. And you look back at the last 24 hours. Because in your pursuit of Godwardness and godliness, you want to look like Jesus. First John 2, 6 says, anyone who, claims to him, uh, to, anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus did. You want to look like Jesus. You want your life to look like him, your decisions to look like him. I mean, just straight up, you as a, as a Christ follower, you want Christ-likeness. Therefore, rather than always having excuses, well, nobody's perfect. Well, we all sin. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. All that, don't go into that mode. Go into this mode. Jesus, I want to look like you. Sure, I'm going to fall short, but I'm aiming for Christ-likeness as much as possible. All right, so let's look at the last 24 hours. God, where did I just miss the mark? Where did I miss it this last 24 hours? Man, yeah, I should not have slapped Renata. Yeah, you're right. Okay. All right, God, you know, I should not have made fun of Joe. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, God, forgive me that. God, I should not have eaten seven McDoubles last night at McDonald's. I only had $7, and I really wanted to get full. You know, that was gluttony. Sorry, God. You know, whatever it is, all right, and just go, that was, that, what doesn't look like Jesus? <laughs> what, you think those things are true? All right, so, uh, I only had two last night. All right, so, uh, but, but you look back at the last 24 hours, and you just go, okay, God, what? What, what didn't look like you? God, I really, I desire to look like you. I want Christ-likeness in my life, okay? God, forgive me for cheating on that test. God, forgive me for exaggerating that statistic. God, forgive me for uh, spending my, the, my, the dollars that you've given me, the resources that you've given me. You know, maybe I shouldn't have got cheese on the burger and shouldn't have given it to orphans or whatever is the thing that you, that is, you look back and just between you and Jesus, you go, this, this, this really, really doesn't look like Christ. And I want to look like Christ. So God, and you watch. It's like a daily renewal. Sorry, I get excited about that. It's like a daily renewal when you go into that because all of a sudden you feel clean before God. You've already praised him. You've already had his affection spoken over you. You've praised him for who he was and you've not started with who you are, but who he is. You've thanked him. Now you go into a confession thing where you're looking back at the last 24 hour period and you walk out of that going, all right. God forgives me that. I believe that. I know that he has forgiven me that. Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that's done. He doesn't look at me and say, no, I reject you. I do not forgive you that. He does forgive me. Sweet. All right, I'm starting today with a clean sheet of paper. I'm good to go. And there's this confession thing and you feel clean. All right? Okay. Cruising. Next thing is the Bible. All right? I like to just, you just get out the scriptures. And so all that is written in your journal. All right, now, men, you'll probably fill up, you know, a couple, two, three pages a day. Ladies, you'll be getting a new one of these all the time. All right? Uh, Ladies, usually, you know, a a lot of times, like a a super devotional girl, this this will last her not very long. For me, these last a long time, all right? But, uh, so the next thing is this, is get out the scriptures, and and I'm not going to give you a Bible reading program. I think, you know, the mill has one. Um, and that one would be a great one. Um, the read the Bible in a year. It's a little card. It's a little check mark you can make. That's fine. That's cool. But have a system for how you're going to read through the scriptures. All right? Um, or a plan. All right? 
And so I've had lots of different ones. I've never had a, a, a system that I, even to this day, I go, this is the one for me. Um, but, but I do have a plan on, on how I like to respond to it. There's, there's reading the Bible for information, and there's reading the Bible for education. There's reading the Bible because you just want to know it, and that's all good. Today, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I want to talk about reading the Bible for communion, re, re, for relationship, for pulling out what God is saying to you. All right? So you can read... You know, Ephesians 1, and strictly want to know what is Paul saying to the church in Ephesus, and why, and, you know, Paul's in prison, what is it, all those kinds of things, that's great. In addition to that, though, there is some strength to reading the scriptures, alive and active today, saying, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to reveal to me in the scriptures today? What do you want to say to me today? So you read the passage, God, what are you saying and here's what I do. Again, this is not a system. This is just what I like to do. I like to put a, a, a G, stands for God, colon, you know, and then just write out uh, what I feel like the Lord is saying to me. All right? And so if I'm reading a, a scripture about wisdom and revelation, then what the Lord is saying to me about wisdom and revelation. Then put a D and I t- write back to God. God, and make it practical. God, I feel very unwise. <laughs> Giving me wisdom. Da, 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 da. God, and just write back a prayer based upon the verse, back to God. Just like you would a relationship. Just like you would a real face-to-face, Joe and I talking over coffee. It would go like this. And usually it's more like... All right. But, but you know, he's, he's a PhD. He's wise. I'm kind of like a Scrappy the dog. But... Um, but, but, but I like to just go back and forth with God and just say, okay, so God, this is what you're saying now. In light of that, here's what I say back to you. And then the Lord says back to me. And it's not always, like I would say it's not always, you know, like four or five. It's usually like God says, I respond what I feel like the Lord's saying back to me and you're done. All right, but, but, but then I have more than just head knowledge of Ephesians 1. I have, okay, well, this is what I feel like the Lord has said to me out of Ephesians 1. And this is how I'm going to try to apply it to my life out of Ephesians 1. And this is what I feel like, you know, God is saying to me today out of Ephesians 1, which is way different than just, I'm going to read my five chapters today, get done with it. Sorry, Oklahoma's coming out. My, my Sunday school years in Oklahoma, read your Bible. All right, um, but it's alive and it's, it's relationship, it's, it's there. All right, so reading the scriptures um, and going back and forth, write down your dialogue um, And let me, let me just hit on a, a quick thing that I would say in the last two years has been a delight for me. And that is, I, have, I, I, I find great delight in picking out some scriptures and just taking those scriptures and just praying them on a near daily basis, you know, in my, in my, in my God time. Because they kind of become uh, internalized, almost like precious to you, all right? So... I would say like Ephesians 1, I keep, use that as an example because that's one, that Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 and 19, that I have prayed on a, on a consistent basis in my daily God time since I was 18. Um, I heard a preacher say it one time when I was 18 years old, and he, he just did this talk on the great thing you got to do is have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and Paul prayed this over the church in Ephesus, and you should pray it every day. And I just thought, I'm going to pray it every day. And I just, it became a part of my, it became a part of who I was. All right. Um, but finding those verses in your own life, in your own journey, 
Another one for me is Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. It comes out all the time because I pray it all the time. All right, another one is Ephesians 3. I want a spirit of might in my inner man. That's what Paul prays, you know, a spirit. I want to be mighty in spirit. Meaning in my heart, in my relationship with God, in, in here, I want, to be, I want to be strong. I'll probably never be like Big Bill in body and physical strength. But inside my heart, God, I want interior strength. You know, I want a heart that's big. I want a heart that's alive. Another one that I love is just out of Psalm 119. Uh, and this is just in recent days where I've just tried to make this, this one. And that is, God, I want to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That I might not, and as, as I'm looking at the next 24 hours, that I might not sin against God. And if I hide your word in my heart, if I know it, it will increase my, the possibilities that I will choose God today instead of sin today. All right? Um, a new one for me that's just kind of a new one for me, Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I just read, I was reading that and I just reading through Psalms and I read that one and I just, it was like an arrow to my heart. I was like, I just, I mean, I think I groaned in it's a grind out loud. Oh, like that. People look around. What's with that guy? Because I just went, that's like, that's, that's it. Good job, Psalmist. You said what I feel, right? I want to meditate on it all day long. I love it. God, there are so many days I don't feel like I love your law. I don't feel like I love the scriptures. I feel like I love so many things in the culture. I feel like I love success. I feel like I love myself. I feel like I love money. I feel like I love, I love all these other things. But God, I want to love your law. I want to meditate on it all day long. I want that to be true. And so you just make that your prayer. So here's one, another little Perkins trick. You can take this or leave it. I like to, at the end of, uh, end of my quiet time, take just a scripture. And that's the one that on that day, I think, try to think about it all day long. All right, so you take out of Psalm 1997. Oh, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Well, realistically, you we don't like meditate on the law. He's talking about the Torah here. You know, you don't, you don't like meditate all day long because you got to work your job. You got to go to school. But in the little breaks, and you can't meditate, the fullness of it, you can't do all of it. I meditate on all of Deuteronomy all day long. No, that's not it. It's this. It's pick out a bite, pick out a verse, pick out one phrase and pray it back to God all day long. So it's that Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God, Romans 5, 5. Holy Spirit, and you just make that your little prayer all day long. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in my heart. You walk into class. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in my heart. You know, you're in class. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in my heart. Just kidding. All right, you're, you're walking through your day, and what the la- you just take one verse, and for that day, all the way till you go to bed, you want three, four, maybe five times you've prayed it back to God, you'll be surprised if you make that a plan, you'll be surprised how the script, those scriptures will have uh, real experiences connected to it. Faith starts to bolster up in your spirit. But take a verse and just make it kind of like your aim, that one verse for the day. I'm going to pray this back to God. I'm going to meditate on this verse all day long. God, do this in my heart. God, does that make sense? And just take one verse. Just one verse. Now, this, the great enemy of this is your iPhone or your cell phone. Because in these days, anytime you get a spare moment, you know, the ski lift, between classes, the toilet, whatever it is, your iPhone, you're like, you know, hey, you know, or like you're checking your email, you're texting, whatever. But here's what I want to encourage you. All the moments walking, in, driving, 
and just, it starts to just come alive. Just take one verse. Make that kind of the, the, the one that you meditate on. All right? Uh, the last part of my, 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 my God time each day is I look at the next 24 hours. All right, God, in the next 24 hours, what do you want me to do? God, how can I live this? How can I be this? How can this be allowed in my heart? And maybe that might be praying for my family. That might be praying for uh, the people that I'm going to meet with at work. That might be praying for, uh, but looking at the next 24 hours, if I'm going to speak in the next 24 hours, God, what do you want me to say? God, you know, God, I pray for those people, you know, that kind of thing. God, how can I apply this? But Whereas earlier we were looking at the last 24 hours, now we're looking at the next 24 hours and going, okay, God, we got, you know, time again tomorrow, same coffee shop, same time, same place tomorrow, but in the next 24 hours, help me look like you, help me be like you, and look at that kind of that 24-hour period, all right? Um, Then, if I've completed all that, that's when you may do reading more books, you know, picking up, uh, and just, and just, just read a book just to, just you know, a Christian book or whatever, that kind of thing. And those things play a journey in, in, in my life as well, but we don't have time for that. This is just kind of the basic, get started, get the engine re- revving up, engine meaning your heart, uh, alone with God each day. 10.30, let's pray. God, we love you. God, we want to be friends of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every Christian, every man and woman of God in this room. God, I pray that you would give them supernatural strength to spend time with you every day. And when they miss it, that they would hit it the next day, but that they would have a desire in their heart to know you, to walk with you, and to spend time with you, God. Fill them, Lord God, with your delight over them, your joy over them. We want to be true friends of God. Everybody said amen. 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 Let's thank David for sharing with us.